What's going on, everybody? Happy New Year to you. This is Dylan from Out of Bounds, Dylan James. Alongside me, as always, is Tyler Sorensen, Mr. Producer himself. Tyler, how you doing, sir? Happy New doing Year to good. you. Doing good. I'm glad you guys can't hear my dogs barking in the background right now, because I actually got a brand new a, sort of a little, setup. A, a little, little bit. But not, not, too not much. as loud. Not as loud, no. Sounds much crisper over on your end. Loving it. Yeah, thank God. Sounds good. Um, before we get going tonight, make sure you share the show with your friends on Facebook, on Twitch, on Twitter, on YouTube. Sharing is caring, and we love the fact that you join us every week, so feel free to share the show. Um, we did take a break last week because of the holidays, because of everything going on, so we decided to take a break last week, but we appreciate you tuning in this evening to talk more about everything going on in the NFL, and there is a lot to talk about uh, first, though, the biggest story in the NFL world that happened last evening against the Bengals and the Bills on Monday Night Football. The game was indefinitely suspended because of a collision um, involving DeMar Hamlin uh, from the Bills, safety there, second-year player um, out of Pittsburgh. And DeMar is currently in critical condition. He's at University of Cincinnati Medical Center right now, um, so our, our thoughts and prayers are with Demar um, and Tyler. I know you, we we watched it last night. I'm sure you watched it as well. Um, give us your take on it. What, what do you think about what happened? Um, and kind of give us some background on what's been going on with Demar today. I mean, honestly, when I saw it, I thought it was just like it was a routine hit. Nothing really looked out of place. It just looked like a routine hit went down everybody thought it was probably a neck injury and then you hear like oh they're doing cpr for nine minutes okay what happened now and then it's all coming out that it's like his heart actually stopped he had cardiac cardiac arrest he had to be taken away obviously in an ambulance i'm glad that no one played i'm glad that the nfl decided to suspend it there's some i don't know if it was a rumor from the nfl if it was just somebody being like oh yeah they have five minutes to suit up and try to get back out there that whole thing i'm glad Zach Taylor, even though you can clown him on a lot of different things, and I'm sure you could with play calling and everything like that, being the bigger man, being like, hey, we're not playing tonight. Obviously, players can't play. You do not want to play at all. Um, I honestly thought that the NFL was going to try to play it because it is a business at the end of the day, and I feel like they were they might have tried to get it to play. I think they did realize, though, that it was like, hey, we can't do this. I wouldn't have been surprised if they were to try to. I think they would have been very, very... There would have been a lot of people upset if they were to try to play, especially in the NFLPA, if they yeah. were to try to play again later that night. Yeah, I mean, I, with that scenario, people were kind of confused. They were upset with the NFL that they did they did hear about the five-minute warning. Um, the executive vice president of the NFL um, came out during a press conference yesterday. It was actually a conference call that happened last evening, pretty late last evening. And he did say that there was no discussion of a five-minute warm-up um, to resume play the way they were. They were in constant communication with the head coaches, with the players. And so it sounds like that, I don't know where that came from either. I don't know if it was an ESPN. Um, I don't know if there was someone on the sideline just assuming that it was a scenario we had seen before where a, a situation typically happens if there's an injury on the field and there's a long delay that they usually do go into a five-minute warm-up and they go back into the game. So assuming they didn't know the severity of the situation, that might have been said somewhere, and someone in the booth said, okay, let's tell the announcers to say that to the American people on the broadcast. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were on the call last night for Monday Night Football. So 
that that kind of got floated around. Again, the NFL tried to come out during that conference call last night. We didn't hear much about DeMar Hamlin in that conference call. Didn't hear about his condition. We just heard about what led up to him getting on the ambulance and going to the hospital. And again, I, I still don't think that five-minute thing was talked about. I don't think it was brought up by the NFL, the league office. Now, if someone else did on the field, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I think the NFL was just trying to cross its T's and dot its I's. And also, if it, with them not telling everyone that this game was canceled, this game was postponed indefinitely, that they could go home, they were allowing time for the medical professionals to get DeMar off the field in the ambulance so there were no there were no pedestrians around the stadium to where they could actually get out quickly um, in this crucial situation, this emergency situation, especially doing CPR for nine minutes on the field. Um, that definitely caused, that's a cause for concern um, in, a measure, in, in a medical emergency such as this. So I, I think that that was the right thing for them to do. I mean, it, people were saying that, oh, well, I, it was because the game was called off because the head coaches were the ones who said the players weren't, weren't going to play. I, I still am on the side of, I think the NFL was planning on postponing this or, or canceling it completely, um, but it was just a matter of time for them to make sure that everything was done before they actually made that announcement and then fans could leave the stadium accordingly. But I, again, there's been a lot of support being uh, outpouring support um, online, on social media, um, from players, from coaches, from everybody involved in the sports world, and not just football, in all sports, um, have been pouring out their, their love and support for DeMar. And also, a big story that came out of this whole thing, he had his, a, a GoFundMe page for his organization um, where he was trying to provide toys to children in his community. And the original goal for this GoFundMe page was $2,500. And up at this point, I mean, I, I think we're over $5 million at this point. So in less than 24 hours, they've raised over $5 million uh, alone, which is phenomenal for him and his charity. And I hope it continues to grow. And I, I'm, I'm sure it will over the coming days. But um, if you if you want to make a contribution, feel free to do so. We have it in the description for this video. You can click on the GoFundMe link and you can uh, offer anything you can uh, for his, his charity to show support. I'm sure he would appreciate it. His family would appreciate it as well. But um, a, a lot of thoughts and prayers going out to DeMar in this scenario. Um, today, I know that ESPN did talk to his uncle, and his uncle was saying that he was he's on a ventilator. They were offering, they were giving him 100% oxygen, but it has been worked down to 50% oxygen. So that's good. That's good news for DeMar in this scenario. His lungs are, are um, healing at this point. We hope so. Um, that, that, that's a great piece of, of of news there as well. Yeah, and it's it, it's a very scary situation because, like I said before, it's just a routine play, and people obviously you put out there. I think I was actually watching the Pat McAfee show for like the first time where I actually got to watch it live, and they were talking about it. Like you don't think about that. You, you very much so like oh, push it ten yards, just keep on going, whatever. It. it it's a broken ankle. It's this, it's that it's ICR. It's not ICR. It's ACL, whatever. And I think that was sort of the reason why you had that five minute thing. I think it might not have come from the NFL, but I think it could have came from somebody where it was like, Hey, it's just a routine play. He, yes, that we needed the ambulance. He's fine. Whatever. They didn't re I don't think they realized like, Oh, he's on the field for nine minutes. He needed CPR. He needed this. His heart basically stopped going into cardiac arrest. And like, again, like you said, everybody was pouring out love for him. I remember, when it when we actually 
I think it was Tom Grassi who found it first. And it, I think it started at like 12,000. And I think now it's, I think I just checked like a little bit over an hour ago and it's like over 5 million. Like, and it's just insane the amount of people who are giving back to the Buffalo situation because they're the fan base that it's like, hey, you did something good for us. We're going to donate to you. You look, you look back at their whole thing. You look at the Andy Dalton situation when they won, when they won and they made it to the playoffs. You look at the Tua stuff. Everything like that is just insane. Yeah, and especially, you know, Stefan Dig after the after the game, you saw the emotion on the field too when this occurred. All the players, yeah, I had never seen something like that before. I'm sure that's something that everyone has said all day, but truly, uh, we had never seen this before with the outpouring of emotion on the field from Stefan Diggs to Josh Allen to Tredavious White to Joe Burrow. Like all of these players, they were in it. I mean, it's it's one thing watching it on television, seeing the hit and then watching the crowd around him, but being in that crowd, seeing what was going on for those nine minutes especially, uh, it's just, it, it's heart-wrenching. I, I, I would have not wanted to be on that field um, to save my life, but at that point, it just... Again, it's a terrible scenario, um, a tragedy. Uh, ho- hopefully, again, our thoughts and prayers are with Demar. Hopefully, he continues to progress positively in this scenario. Um, it sounds like they're doing the best they can there at the hospital in Cincinnati. Karen chiming in, saying hello, good evening, and also saying this is a very sad situation. Hopefully, he comes out of it. Absolutely. Um, and last night, like I said, was Stefan Diggs. There were several players, and Zach Taylor actually went over there too, to the hospital after the game. There were several players who were Ubering to the hospital to go show support for DeMar. St- Stefan Diggs tried to go in the hospital at first. A police officer actually stopped him from going into the hospital. An ESPN reporter had to tell him, this is Stefan Diggs, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, and a teammate of DeMar's, and then he finally was able to um, gain access into the hospital. But uh, a tragic scenario. Um, there's been a lot of reporting about this. ESPN did a great job last night, though. I think the coverage was fantastic with Scott Van Pelt, with Ryan Clark, with with um, Su- Susie Kolber, uh, all of them. They, they did fantastic last night. So um, I, I think they'll give us the best breaking information as it comes. Um, and and Twitter has been providing some updates as well. There was a, the marketing manager and very close friend to um, Damar. I forgot what his name was at this point, but um, he was tweeting out as well. So he's been pr- tweeting out updates from the family of the situation. So um, if you're looking for someone to give you some breaking info, then that's probably a good place to look as well. Yeah, and also another thing too, I didn't watch the ESPN stuff because after that whole thing happened, I just sort of turned it off because I was like, it's probably not going to be happening again. I just sort of sat in uh, Tom Grassi's live stream. But it's like, every I hear multiple people just clowning ESPN because the amount of ads that were being played. I'm like, what do you what do you even do? What do you talk about? Obviously, it's Monday Night Football. There's people that are there to watch Monday Night Football. You're going to talk about basketball for 30 hours? Like, this just happened. Like, like it's not going to happen the best way that you can think i think they there is different ways that they could have done it they could have talked about it a little bit less i feel like because like i feel like they just kept on pouring it on you a little bit but i feel like at the same time like that's sort of what you need you want to have those updates you want to know that he's okay and breathing and not dead yeah absolutely i mean they they turned from sports to breaking news uh breaking news station at that point yeah basically to like cnn yeah yeah um it was it was definitely a situation that they probably didn't see themselves being in in their career, but um, you know, 
things happen in sports. I mean, things like this, uh, they have happened in soccer quite. I've heard that there have been a lot of cardiac arrest situations in soccer more so than football and things of that nature, just because of the, the sheer, just, yeah, just everything that's happening, the, the endurance in those games, especially running the entire time for 90 minutes. Um, it seems that there are quite a few of those scenarios that happen, especially in the UK. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that we hadn't seen before, especially on Monday night football, prime time, seeing a player go down like this at 24 years old, um, having an episode like you, like you said earlier, a routine hit. It looked like it looked like it, it was something that we had seen every Sunday um, for my lifetime, and and it turns into this um, a very sad scenario. And as Karen says, it, it, it's it's career ending at this point potentially. Um, but I mean, at this point, you know, he's just fighting for his life in the hospital. Um, the, the, the doctors there are doing everything they can to, to make sure that he can get out of this. And I think, I, I believe that he is in the, in the right place at the right time, um, in this scenario, but, uh, it's just it's a very sad story all around. Uh, hopefully he comes out of this, um, and is able to recover. And I think with the quick action from everyone on the field last night, the medical teams from both the Bengals and the Bills, being able to get the AED out as well. Um, I, th- I hear that AED using that actually gives him an even better prognosis in the long term. So um, thoughts and prayers with his family and him as well. And um, we'll keep you up to date if we hear anything on our end during the show. Um, absolutely. So um, do, is there anything else you want to add to that, Tyler? Um, I hate trolls. I don't know if you saw T. Higgins' Instagram, but there's so many trolls in there. I have not looked. Uh, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I'm uh, when it comes to posts and such of people who have been involved in this or or people who are close to the NFL world sharing their love and support. I, I just kind of stay away from the comment section at that point. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I I'm, I'm sure there are people out there that are in that scenario, and and also people that are um, posting and things of that nature. I know Skip Bayless posted something <laughs> last night, a, a series of tweets talking about the severity of the situation, something he had never seen before, but then also referring to how is this game going to be made up um, this late in the season? That's what the NFL's kind of thinking. Um, I know that he was ridiculed very heavily in that scenario. Yeah. I understand where he was coming from. Could have been put in better context or said at a better time. Absolutely. And he has yeah. said things on Twitter and social media before that have not been very, you know, kosher. But... um, I mean, that, that, that's kind of what the NFL is thinking. Like you said before, you were reverting back to it's a business. That's what the NFL was kind of trying to think of as well, is that, you know, all the implications of what's going to happen if this game doesn't get played, things of that nature. But at the end of the day, it's all about DeMar. It's all about uh, Hamlin and hoping and wishing that he is um, better after this and gets the care he needs to recover fully from this. So, um, yeah, again, r- wrong place, wrong time for that tweet. Um, especially in the heat of it. I think it was within the hour of the hit he had been posting about that. So um, unfortunate timing yeah. for, for Skip Bayless. But um, yeah. yeah I mean, if anything, you could just hold it for your show the next day. Yeah, like, absolutely. Absolutely. Because there were people already talking about, and also the NFL came out saying there's there's no plan to restart the game this week. Um, it looks like they may look at it later. Um because there is a week, there's a buffer in the playoff, in the weeks for the playoff, um, to where they can play this game at some point. But uh, it, it's uh, it's going to be very tough to, to fit it in at this point. But, I mean, it, it does have implications. It has implications on 
the one seed, especially with the Chiefs and the Bills. Um, and yeah, you know, that, that's something that the NFL was looking at as well, probably too, especially in the, in the coming days. Um, once we do know that DeMar is going to be okay, once we do know that DeMar is on the up and up, then those discussions will be had, um, in a deeper context and we'll be able to find out what's going to happen with that game. But, um, yeah, just a tough situation. Uh, Chris also shouting you out, Tyler there. And he said, even though it's a business, um, it's a business based on people Take care of the people in the business will be fine. Agreed. Yeah. Very well said, Tyler. Uh, Chris, very well said. Um, let's move on to some football news. Coming up week 18, the slate has not been changed as at this point, so the games that are scheduled are going to be played as is um, until further, until we, you know something else may happen, may occur. But let's talk about the Tennessee Titans real quick because they have a really important game this weekend against the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville. The Rocket man himself, Josh Jobs, was named as the starting quarterback for the Titans coming up this weekend. I want to get your take on it first because I, I'm sure you watched a little bit of the Titans game, if not some of the highlights from the Titans game against the Cowboys when they lost in that game at home. They only scored 13 points, but what do you think about Josh Dobbs, his performance, and also what do you think about him being the starting quarterback against Jacksonville Jaguars in Week 18? I think they've already lost faith in Malik Willis, even though they drafted him this year. Like, you're starting Josh Jobs, which I'm sorry, Josh Jobs should not be a starter in the NFL. I get he is very smart. He's a very smart human being. I don't think he should be really be a starter from what I have seen. Him with, the, him with Cleveland, him with Pittsburgh, it's been sort of bad. Um, I think the Titans... I honestly... I didn't even watch this game, to be honest. I... I was watching something else. I was watching. I think I was watching the, the Vikings game. I don't even remember. But it's like it's one of those things too, where it's like you are facing the Cowboys. Why not start Malik Willis, who I think will have, give you a better shot in the game, especially with his mobility. I feel like will give him a better shot. But I honestly can't really talk about it more than like, why not start the younger guy. Yeah, um, I, there were people out there saying Malik should have started in the Cowboys game just to see what he could do. Um, I, I think that having experience, even though it might not be that much experience, I believe that Josh Jobs had less than than either 15 or 20 pass um, attempts in the NFL heading into this week against the Cowboys, this past week against the Cowboys. I, I, know, this was his, I know this was his first start in the NFL. This was absolutely his first start, yes. So his first start against the Cowboys, tough competition in the first place. The Cowboys have been playing very, very well this season, and they're on their way to to at least being one of the top three seeds. If not, I mean, there's potential, to, I, I believe, to be at least number two, if not number one in the NFC. But we'll talk about the playoff seeding in just a, l- a little bit. Um, but going into halftime for this game, the score was only set, 10 to 6 was the score in favor of the Cowboys. They were leading by four. Um, they were not putting much, which again, being the Dallas Cowboys, uh, there are times when they do tend to choke, um, especially getting closer to the playoffs, but they were only leading by four at the halftime. Um, Josh Jobs, again, put up 13 points with this offense, not a good number, especially if you're playing up against, uh, an NFC team that is, that is positioned to be, um, wanting to go further into the playoffs, but 
I still think there were promising plays with Josh Dobbs. You didn't see Derrick Henry in this game, so it was focused solely on Josh Dobbs in this scenario. And he didn't play terrible. Um, he did have an interception, which he, I, I'm sure he would want back. Um, he did have several other plays where he could have thrown an interception. I'm sure he would want those throws back. But he threw it for a touchdown. Um, he was getting the ball to his playmakers. Chigakonko had a, a good catch in the game. Um, Traylon Burks was pretty good in this game as well. Racy McMath showed off his speed with a long shot from Josh Dobbs early in the game to set up for a field goal. So I, you do see some good things with Josh Dobbs. I think even, especially with this offensive line, the way it is, I think Josh Dobbs gives you a better chance to win in Jacksonville than Malik Willis does. I think this past weekend was definitely his, his audition to be the starting quarterback and he succeeded. I think that with Derrick Henry, if they're able to to run if they run Derrick Henry 30 times in this game, which I think that's what that should be the benchmark. He hasn't reached 30 attempts, 30 carries this season maybe once. He might have hit it once, but other than that, he really hasn't been hitting it. He's been hitting about 20 to 25 carries per game. If they're able to run Derrick Henry 30 times in this game, while providing Josh Dobbs chances to throw the ball and show off his athleticism, I think the Titans have a really good shot at winning this game in Jacksonville, especially when we talk about the NFL, we talk about opponents. We usually say that in a regular season, if a play, if a team plays another another team two times in a two times in a season, it's typically pretty hard to beat them twice. Um, I think Jacksonville is going to have that in their head the entire game. I think that having the experience of Derrick Henry um, instead of having the experience of of uh, Trevor Lawrence there in Jacksonville, I think that's going to be huge for the Titans moving forward. And also there's some players that are coming back from this, this injury, the injuries that we've seen for the Titans, which they have had the most injuries in, this, in the league this season at 86 players they've played this year. Um, key players coming back though this week compared to the ones that were out the first time they be, they played Jacksonville at home. They're going to have Traylon Burks, which he's back because he, he he was on IR when um or he was designated to return at that point against the Jacksonville Jaguars, so he did not play that game. Hassan Haskins will be playing the backup the backup running back to Derrick Henry. Trey Avery looks like he's on the way to coming back in this game. Uh, Christian Fulton will be back in this game as well. And you also see Danico Autry, who that is a key catalyst for the defense, the defensive line, especially getting to the quarterback. They did not get to tra- to Trevor Lawrence um, at all in the first game, the first matchup this season. I think that's going to change this week. I think especially having Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry back on the defensive line and having players like Rashad Weaver um rotating in and out of the lineup there. I think that you're going to see a lot of pressure on Trevor this week. And if you didn't see it, there was one performance last week that blew me away and blew everyone else away as well. And that was Kevin Byard. Kevin Byard had two interceptions in that game against Dak Prescott. So I still think that Kevin Byard will be able to lead the secondary, even if we are a bit banged up in the secondary. I know Trey Avery's potentially coming back um, Greg Maben might be uh, a name that will be in there as well, but you'll see Christian Fulton potentially too, which having Christian Fulton would be a huge addition for this team. I believe he was a limited participant in this, uh, today during practice, but 
having some of these key players back compared to what we saw the first time we played the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think the Titans have a really good shot of winning and clinching the AFC South, which is something that um, I'm sure that Mike Vrabel would want to do instead of losing out on a losing uh, losing out on continued success of having winning records with the Tennessee Titans and also missing the playoffs. I don't think he wants to do that. I think he wants to have at least one of those things come true. I think winning the division is probably going to be it. But just think, all two AFC South teams could still make the make the playoffs though. They could. They could. And what are those playoff what what is the scenario the Jacksonville Jaguars need if they lose to the Tennessee Titans this weekend? So if they lose against the Tennessee Titans, they would need a loss by the Dolphins who face the Jets, the Patriots who face the Bills, and the Steelers who face the Browns. Which I think that could be possible. I don't know about the Steelers though. Um, well, I mean, it depends on who they see in the Browns. If they saw the Browns from this past weekend against the Commanders, which uh, I think we'll talk about that in just a moment as well when it comes to the Commanders. Um, Steelers losing. I mean, it is it is going to be Mike Tomlin's record on the line of having consecutive winning seasons. Even if they miss the playoffs, having a winning season for him is is something he puts on his mantle. So I think that... He'll want to win that game against the Browns. It's at the Browns, though, right? You said? Uh, or is it at Steelers? I think it's at Cleveland. At Cleveland? Okay. Um. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, No, it's at Pittsburgh. At Pittsburgh? Oh, well, at Pittsburgh. That's even better in Steelers' favor. So uh, that's going to be tough for the Jaguars to make it in as well, even though there is a shot. I mean, there's not a shot for the Titans. If the Titans lose this game, they're out of the playoffs. But if the Jaguars lose, then they still have a chance, a chance, a slim one, but a chance. So um, we'll keep an eye on that this weekend and see if they are able to uh, to either win or see these other teams lose to get into the playoffs as well. Yep. Yeah. Um, let's go to the Commanders because we were just talking about the Browns and the Commanders. It's just, uh, it's um, interesting to say the least in Washington with their scenario that they're the makeup of their team and the decision, the biggest decision that, that confused a lot of people coming out of Christmas weekend, we were told by Ron Rivera that Taylor Heineke was being benched in favor of Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz was finally healthy in that scenario. Do you think that was the, uh, just not, not even thinking about the, the, the result of this weekend's game against the Browns. But when you heard that news that Taylor Heineke was no longer the starting quarterback for the Washington Commanders, did you think that was the right move? No. Literally, if you look at our, let's look at me and my buddy's group chat when that happened. I didn't even see it first off. One of my buddies saw it. And they're like, oh, well, we just got into the playoffs. We just knew Carson Wentz is that bad that that they were somehow, they were that they were just going to throw it away. And then Ron Rivera comes out and be like, oh, we could be mathematically eliminated? I didn't know that. Which yeah, he we'll, didn't. We'll talk about he that didn't, in a second too. Yeah, he <laughs> didn't say it like that. He said it more like, "Oh, I only really care about us or whatever, whatever the hell he said." But even then, like you still got to pay attention to what you can do because if you make a decision that makes it so you are eliminated from the playoffs when you were the seventh seed, that's a little bit rough, and that puts him more in the hot seat than I think he already was. Yeah, and uh, personnel decisions this year have been poor 
to say the least, for the Commanders. Um, Brian Robinson, the the running back there, um, is probably one of the biggest bright spots they have outside of Taylor Heineke. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very questionable decision. I don't know why they decided to make that decision, especially with the buy-in the locker room had on Taylor Heineke being the starting quarterback there. You you heard from several players that they were confused by Taylor Heineke being benched, that they they had a lot of faith in him, that the locker room was was, you know, coming around and and they they were just huddling around Heineke and trying to lift him up, um, being their leader. But at the end of the day, Ron Rivera made that decision to start Carson Wentz instead. I was confused by the decision. Um, I, I, I understand that there is some of that in the back of your mind. I'm sure Ron Rivera was saying, we're paying Carson Wentz a lot of money to sit here on the bench, to do nothing. But at the end of the day, you're spending that money either way. Even if you bench Taylor Heineke, you're spending that money either way. So what does it matter? Which player is going to get you to the playoffs? Which player is going to get you to the next step to get closer to getting in the dance? And at that point, it was Taylor Heineke. Taylor had the buy-in from the team. He had the buy-in from his players. He had the buy-in from the front office. I, I, I thought he did anyway. But at the end of the day, he didn't. And Ron Rivera said, nope, we're just going to pull the plug. We're going to bring in Carson because Carson's fully healthy now, and he can lead us to the promised land. Well, they lost against the Browns this past weekend, and now the Washington Commanders were told, Ron Rivera was told on the podium this weekend in the postgame press conference, that if the Packers win at 4 o'clock and you are eliminated from the playoffs, will you start another quarterback? Sam Hubbard. Sam Hubbard this coming up, will we see him in the game this coming up weekend? To which Ron replied something along the effects of, we'll be eliminated if the Packers win this weekend, this uh, today? How do you not know the scenarios surrounding your team to make the playoffs? It's this time, it's week 17, Ron. You're not the number one seed. It's not locked in. How do you not know that's going to happen? It's just, it, it, it's so inept. The whole scenario is, it's, it's idiocy on the part of Ron Rivera. And I mean, Dan Schneider too, obviously, because Dan Schneider is just a dummy. But having your coach not know the circumstances of the loss before it even happens is just uh, beyond me, especially at this time of year. You should know what's going to happen with your team. Um, speaking of, well, no, I, I, never mind. Good friends of the show. Brian, it's good to see you, boys. And he also said, agreed, Heineke should be starting, which I mean, he should be. He should be the starting quarterback. Yeah. He should have been the starting quarterback last weekend. You'd probably would have had a shot at beating the Browns. Oh, but yeah. you had Carson Wentz instead. Yeah, and Carson went through three interceptions, two of which happening in the first quarter. So woof, woof. At that I point, mean, do, at that point, do you not pull the plug and say Carson get out? Here's here's the thing. I would have. I would not be surprised if Dan Schneider has his grubby little fingers on this, like he did with the other thing that got announced this weekend by the Washington Commanders. Uh, we'll talk about that in just a second too. Um, or we'll talk about it now. So there was a certain introduction 
this weekend that you don't thing. typically see during an NFL game or you don't see it very often in the especially NFL. Especially this late in the season, too. Especially this late in the season, especially when your team is on the verge of losing your playoff spot. Which I don't know if this happened before the game, if it happened at halftime. I think it happened at halftime. Okay, so you're losing at that point. You yeah. had, you just saw Carson Wentz throw two interceptions. But guess what? We have something brand new for you Commanders fans. Major Tutty. Tutty. I hate it. Major Tutty. So the Washington Commanders originally... They had some names they were choosing from. One of those names was the Red Hogs. From the offensive line of the 80s. Yes. NFL trivia. So you had the Washington Red Hogs as a potential name, and they decided to not use that name. However, they come out with Mr. Uh, Mr. Tutty this weekend at halftime to, I guess, combine the two. It's the best of both worlds, I guess. You couldn't have just named him Commander Hog. Like, that's a better name. Major Tutty? What does that have to do with a pig? Uh, I don't know. Like, it's, know. it's literally a hog. And you know what's funny, too? They, they they did, like, this whole, like, silhouette thing where it's like, oh, it's it's a big surprise. And you can literally see it's a hog with the with the thing on his head. I knew right away it was a it was a pig because they also had the whole oh the hogs of the of the of the nineteen seventies are at back and it's like so you know exactly what it's going to be it wasn't a big surprise and then they come out with this which this this just literally looks like Porky the pig from Looney Tunes it really does grew up and went into the military really and got does. a beer gut <laughs> Brian chiming in saying what the this is my first time seeing this this franchise is a joke and Alex Hanley friend of the show top ten mascot of the decade guaranteed. I mean, what else, what else is he competing with? He's competing with, so this guy, so him, the Seattle Kraken mascot, which I don't even know what the hell that is. Seattle Kraken? Yeah, they got a mascot now. Did you not oh, know that? Oh, you're, you're just talking about new mascots. Gen, yeah, general mascots. Got it. Because um, they I started do... in 2020. Bowie. Bowie is his name. B-U-O-Y. Bowie. Or B-O-U-Y. I don't remember. I just saw it once, and it's it looks like it looks like Nightmare Fuel. I like Bowie. After after watching some of his uh, his content on his social media page, I do like Bowie. I like the concept. It, it does go back to the the bridge troll that is there in Seattle. It's folklore there. So I mean, it it, it blends in, I guess, it with the, blends with in. The but also, but also the one thing too that I think is funny is that technically, if we want to get technical about it, the Commanders should be a new team because they're not the they're not the Redskins anymore. And they're still going after that sort of historical stuff. So you sort of want to leave it in the past, but you still want to bring it to the front. That's yeah, sort of contradicting yourself there. It is contradicting. Um, Tutty is the general of the mascot army. God. Oh, <laughs> speaking of mascots, Poe came back too. I don't know if you saw that. He did come back in, in tremendous fashion. Edgar and Allen were there to wheel him into the stadium and Poe miraculously, he pulled a Kevin Nash. Yep. He took off the blanket off the, off the wheelchair. His leg was, pre- it was a, it was a fake leg, a fake cast. It was propped up on the leg thing and he comes out and stands up and he's, he's ready for the playoffs. So um, congrats to Poe for coming back for the, the Baltimore Ravens, but major Tutty, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's um Interesting. For me, it just seems like it's not that creative. 
it's not. It's just like, oh, well, our name's the Commanders. Here's this interesting the hang. Here's this interesting like nickname we had for our offensive line. Let's just combine the two. Like, it's as if they it's as if they found a closed a closed Piggly Wiggly that had a costume in the back closet, pulled it out and put on a helmet. That's exactly what happened in this scenario. Yeah, yeah. I'm just glad, this is why I'm glad the Packers don't have one. Like, let's just I'll just keep our I'll just keep our collegiate our collegiate cheerleaders. Let's just keep the old traditions. Let's keep roll at the barrel. We don't need any new stuff. Just keep it traditional. And I think the Commanders are just making it insane. They are. What would the Packers have as a mascot? If if you were the one designing a mascot for the Packers, what would you have? I would just call it the Milwaukee Bratwurst people that run it, that run the, that do the, the run, the Milwaukee, the Brat run. It, uh, okay. what is it now? I almost said Miller Park, but it's not Miller Park. It's American, American Family Park, whatever the fuck it's called. I would just call them up and just have those guys be their mascot. If I couldn't choose them, then I'll just choose a block of cheese. I don't know. Or you know what? We actually technically did have the. I wouldn't do a dairy cow. Dairy cow is too. It's too more Wisconsin. We did technically have that logo where it was. Um, was it? I think it was Curly Lambo in the football. I think I would just have it be that guy. Just like the just like a green dude with a with an old helmet on, just like something like that. Something cool like that. I, thinking about the Packers, thinking about what they represent, which obviously it's cheese. I would probably go. Let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Um, I'm thinking of a character back from the McDonald days. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this. But there was a character named. It might probably be the first time I'm thinking of. There was a character named Mac Tonight. And I think that if the Packers had a cheese head, there was, I, it, it, it doesn't have to be round. It could be like a, a, a triangular piece of cheese with a face on it. And like an old school Packers uniform. See, this is what I gotta say though. I hate the I hate the whole cartoony look of the mascots. Like obviously the Vikings when I was growing up was the they had the dude that came out on the motorcycle to lead the team onto into the Metrodome. Do you remember that at all? No. Oh, you Not don't that remember I that. I gotta I gotta pull it up and set it to you. But so but like that it's that whole thing where it's like it's a big fan, which talking about fans, the whole chief aholic thing, which we didn't talk about last week. But <laughs> Chiefaholic. Chiefaholic, yeah. You didn't hear about that? No, I don't think the so. The dude that got caught robbing banks? No. You didn't hear about that? Oh no, my god. I didn't hear about that. Yeah, uh dude got caught robbing banks on his way to Houston to go to the Chief to go to the Chiefs Houston game. And people were calling the police being like, Oh, I want to report for a missing person and then they're like, Oh no, we have him. He's just in jail for robbing banks. Weird. Weird. Yeah. But no, like um, we do have, like we do have, like the frozen tundra guy, which you see him every game. He's got the big frozen frozen tundra on his head. Okay, I have like seen that. that guy before. Yes, like yes, we, I've seen that like, guy before. I, I like that better. I like the fans, where it's like they come to every game. Like they should be the, they should, those should be the, 
Mascot. Well, they're like the team fanatics. I mean, they, yeah. we have we have Titan Man who dresses up and he's like a fire breather too. And he comes to like the tailgates and this fire breathing stuff. Sorry about that. Uh, this fire breathing stuff. Um, and he has like the huge, you know, Trojan helmet on and everything. Um, we have Hype Man. We have um, yeah, yeah like several s- several fanatics that are out there. Spider Titan, Titan, Sp- Spider Titan. That's what his name Spider is. Um, like Spider Man, but it's it's Titan's oh. colors. Um, he was the twelfth Titan this past week against uh, the Cowboys. That he came out on the field and got the Titan sword and stuck it in the ground before the game happened. Pretty cool. Um, but yeah, we have several you know fanatics that are like yeah. that. So I mean, having fanatics like that is pretty cool. Yeah, but it's like. I- like I think it's also I think those are just fine. Like especially if you have if you don't have a mascot, I think having that sort of like having a fanatic where it's like oh you know who this is, you may not know his name, but you know that he's going to be there every single week. It's it's great like that. Obviously you do have some where it's like the Colts mascot Bluey. Like y- you don't go to a Colts game to see the Colts anymore. You go to the Colts <laughs> game to see Bluey. Hmm? Like there's yeah. no ifs ands or buts about it. Like the Vikings they had that dude and they also had they had another guy and then they now have the mascot which, eh. Like I like seeing the actual dude that rode on the Harley and everything like that. That was cool. Yeah, like the mascot's cool though. I like the mascots. mascots. Mascots are cool. Like especially with uh, Philadelphia having the eagle. Like that's great. Kansas City Patri- has Casey Wolf. Casey Wolf. Yeah. Um. The Patriots Titans have the Patriot have, man. Titans have T Rack, which he's. I think he's the best mascot in the league, but that's just bias. But anyway, yeah, so I mean, th- th- that's interesting that they came out with that. Um, and also, Alex added to a dairy cow with a uh, big swollen udder. No. No. I, I, just, I like our, Just milks the fans at halftime. See, I like our tradition of just not really doing anything. We, we, we borrow the, the University of Green Bay cheerleaders. They're technically volunteers. Don't have a mascot. Just go out there and play football. And uh, Alex did say Brett Favre is a hamburglar, but he's actually Brett Favre, just the burglar now. Yeah. So he's already a mascot, unfortunately. I, Brett Favre is <laughs> Brett Favre. I, no comment. <laughs> no comment there. Um, let's talk about playoff picture because there's a lot to dive into when it comes to seating and things of that nature. Like I said, the Bills and Bengals game did have a lot of implications we don't know if that game's going to occur at some point this season. As of right now, week 18, the full slate, including the games um, with the Bills and the Bengals, all those games are still going to happen. Um, so with the NFC, it's pretty interesting. Green Bay has played their played themselves into, and guess what? Since the Titans game, they've been doing this. Since the Titans game. everything go our way. Which... Since the Titans... One against the Packers in Green Bay. The Packers have been rejuvenated and they are looking like contenders at this point. Um, they are contenders. They are playing against the Lions this week. And it's a win and end scenario for the Packers. A win and end and with some help for the Lions um, if the Seattle Seahawks lose this weekend, which I don't necessarily see that happening. But if Green Bay wins this weekend, they beat the Lions and Seattle because they have the better conference record even if Seattle wins. So the Packers all they have to do is beat them at home this weekend against the Lions. Yep, which is very possible. It's in Green Bay, so 
We do have the frozen tundra coming our side. I think it's still going to be fairly nice out. I don't think it's going to be too bad, yeah. but it is one of those things where it's like you're playing at home, you should win. And I think especially against a, I don't want to say faltering Lions team because they're definitely still, they sw- they walled the Bears last week, which that's what I was meaning to say. I was watching the Lions-Bears game, not the Vikings game. Got it. Earlier, but um, like that that was just a wall thing. But they, they proved that they can't stop the run, especially against the um, first half of the, the, the Bears game and then the the Panthers game. Like they can't stop the run, and we hit, what do we have? We have AJ Jones, uh, AJ Jones, AJ Aaron Dillon. Jones, and AJ Dillon, like mm-hmm. two, like one of the top five, I would say, running back duos in the league. Plus, with Keyshawn Nixon being able to actually return a kick, like actually being able to return a kick at all on special teams, is a yeah. Um, our defense is looking great. Obviously, shutting down uh, Justin Jefferson for one catch, like that's insane. Um, yeah, it is. And I think we started to get the formula, too, on how to beat him. I think a lot of teams are going to start doing what we were doing with the whole uh, pressure him at the line, some double coverage, just press him 24-7, man on him, best best guy, best guy. Um, but I genuinely think, like, we're get, it's it's – I don't want to say this because I wasn't – I was alive, but I don't really remember it, the 2010 run. But it's one of those things where it's, like, it's starting to feel like that again. You're starting to believe a little where okay we got to be on the road this is a must win okay we can right now i think it's it's sort of it's almost guaranteed we're going to the 49ers for the two seed it sounds like if minnesota i think if minnesota even if minnesota wins i think they get the two seed but it's one of those things too where it's like okay we go to 49ers they've been our kryptonite for the past decade almost what does our offense look like? Our offense is fair weather, nice needs nice some weather. We can run the ball. We can hold the defense. Obviously, it's going to be a very tough game, but who knows? We can do whatever we want, it seems like. Yeah, well, especially the defense, too. Jair Alexander actually had some words before this game saying that, that Justin Jefferson's week one performance was a fluke and that he was going to shut him down. And he did. <laughs> he did. But- yeah. Uh, on the first, on the first incomplete pass to Justin Jefferson, a breakup by Jair Alexander, he actually gritted in Justin Jefferson's face on the field, which I, incredible. I can tell you right now, I, knowing this from the back of him and knowing how our luck goes, I thought after he said that and after he did that, Justin Jefferson was going to go for five hundred yards on us. Oh, for sure. I, I thought that was just like, oh, that's that's bulletin board material right there, do-do-do. And then it just got one catch for 15 yards, which technically wasn't even Jair's responsibility because we were playing zone. Like, like that's the only thing that he really did. And Yeah. Like, well, especially with that win, that win, too, against the Vikings. So who are the Vikings Broads. this year? Broads. They're the exact – here's the thing, though. This is what I gotta say because I think this this exact thing happened last year, where last year in one score league in one score games they were like one in thirteen or something like that they were in the wor- they were one of the worst in the league. Now they're one of the best in the league. They're still the same team, just flipped it. They just got a little bit luckier. Like it's the same team. They still have a negative uh, uh, point differential. Like I genuinely think whoever they face in the first round is just gonna beat them, especially if they have a team that's somewhat competent. Like. They'll more yeah. than likely face who is it? So it's Cowboys or Cowboys or Giants that are going to be in. 
because I'm gonna I'm just gonna say Philadelphia is the first seed. Everything's the same. So Philadelphia one, uh, San Francisco two, Vikings three, and then uh, Buccaneers four. So it'll probably be Giants, which last time they played, sixty-one yard field goal. Like, don't get that lucky anymore. Like, yeah. I genuinely think that any any one of those teams could beat the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I still think that the Buccaneers are going to just make a run somehow because it's the Buccaneers and it's Tom Brady. Yeah. Um, and obviously, winning last weekend against the Carolina Panthers was huge for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers getting that NFC South division title. But with the Minnesota Vikings, they had the pieces there to be successful. I think that the, some of the biggest things, one of the biggest things to me, a turning point in that game very early in that game was there was a chance for the Vikings to kick a field goal. And they decided not to. They decided to go for fourth down. I believe that fourth down actually turned into a pick six. Russia I'm not for, mistaken. What for our game? It was either a fumble or it was a pick six or something that happened. But they had a chance to put on put points on the board, a field goal. They decided to go on fourth down instead. Either they didn't get it, or there was a, a either pick six or a fumble or something. They turned into points for the Green Bay Packers very quickly. Oh, that, that was a uh, that was probably the um the, when they went for like a fourth and three, and I think it was just a pass breakup. I just, yes. I think that was the that was a pass breakup with Justin Jefferson. I think that's okay. what it was. But again, a, that that point though, they they had the chance to put it, make it seven. I think it was seven. It would have been seven six at that point. Seven, um, seven three. But then it turned into fourteen three very very quickly after that play. Yeah. So uh, you had opportunities to keep it close, but I think that some of the decision making, especially having a brand new coach that they have there in Minnesota, um, decision making lost Nathaniel Hackett his job in Denver. I mean, plain and I, simple. Yeah, I will not be surprised. Minnesota Vikings make a trade for Derek Carr. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of like. The- He's people have been saying this about people have been saying this about Derek Carr with Ryan Tannehill as well. They've been saying yeah. the Titans should go out pick Derek Carr up instead. There are some fans that are out there saying that. I still I still stand firm on the fact that I think the Titans will keep Ryan Tannehill next year. He'll be the starting quarterback next year. They'll probably restructure his contract to move some of the money further down the road and potentially have an out or a trade option for Ryan Tannehill to go somewhere else after next year. But I still think Tannehill is going to be the option, going to be the answer for the Titans going in to 2023. But I think that Derek Carr and Ryan Tannehill are very comparable. It, it, it's it's like an even trade at that point. You're, you're putting in a guy that, you know, they're very, very similar quarterbacks. I think the same thing about him and Kirk Cousins. Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins are very similar. The pieces they had in Vegas compared to Minnesota are very similar. Justin yeah. Jefferson could, it, it, Justin Jefferson is Vegas's Devonta is Devonte Adams. Essentially you have Darren Waller. Um, it, 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 it seems like there are a lot of comparisons there that are similar to where I don't think they it's, it's making a lateral move and I don't think Minnesota needs to do that. And again, Alex is chiming in too. He's a Titans fan as well, saying, give me Ryan Tannehill. I agree. I think Tannehill should stay the quarterback. I, I think that um, people saying that he's injury-prone, whatever whatever they're saying, trying to make it to where 
they're trying to diminish what Ryan Tannehill has done as a Tennessee Titan. He's only seen two injuries in his career in, in his career in Tennessee, um, and this one only being the one that's got him to IR. So he, he's fought through a lot of injuries while he's been with the Titans. I'm not saying he hasn't had a lot of injuries, but he's fought through a lot of them. Um, he was playing with a high ankle sprain for several weeks until it got re-aggravated, and that's when he had to go to IR. But I, I still think Ryan Tannehill is the answer there in Tennessee for now until we either develop Malik, Malik uh, Willis a bit more um, or if we decide to keep Josh Jobs past this season, depending on what he does in the pre, in the offseason, if he gets there, if we get to the playoffs after this game against Jacksonville. I mean, in that in that point, I would probably have Josh Dobbs back up Ryan Tannehill next year if he's able to do something with this season, which, again, I think either way, Tennessee will probably have a top 10 pick in the draft if they lose this weekend, or they'll win this weekend and go to the playoffs and, and potentially win a first-round a first round um, opportunity against the five seed. I mean, if you guys make the playoffs, you'll be the four seed. You'll probably face... Baltimore was in fifth for a while. They dropped down to six after their loss this weekend. Um, so the fifth seed would be I'm trying to think who it would be. I need to look and see. You might have it more readily available than I do. Right now, the playoff picture. Oh, uh, uh, Chargers. That's right, the Chargers. So and that would be a rematch be... from earlier this season. Yeah, so it would be Chargers or Baltimore, which. I genuinely think either one of those, I think you guys can win. It's it's winnable, yeah, especially having the defense we do. Um, yeah. I think that that's that's definitely, uh, those are winnable scenarios. Alex saying, hypothetical, we lose this week, we have a top 10 pick, do we trade up for C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young? No, they're not going to be there. They're not going to be there. Late, <sighs> I think we have two, I, th- I think that you keep Ryan Tannehill, you unfortunately cut Bud Dupree, you see if, if Taylor Lewan will take some money off the table um, or push it down the road a bit more, restructure his contract. He's to, been talking about he'll probably be cut. He's, ta- he's been talking about that, but it sounds like he'd want to stay a Titan if, if they could work out a deal. And he's, he talked about it on Busting with the Boys saying that if there was an offer to either extend the contract to make it to where there's less money on the books for him next year, that he would he would listen which I think that would be the best opportunity for the Titans. I think having stability at the left tackle, and especially if it was something with a botched surgery with an ACL, that's the reason why this ACL tore again this year. I think that that might be something that they look at in the offseason, see how healthy he is, and you know, go with it. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I would. If I were the Titans, if I could have stability at left tackle, I mean, God, give me somebody other than Dennis Daly. Please. For the love of all that's holy, give me somebody better than Dennis Daly. I think Taylor Lewan would would love to stay uh, stay a Titan. He had been talking about even before the season, talked about if I'm not a Titan, I am probably going to consider retirement. I don't want to play for anybody else. I know his tune has changed a little bit now, saying that if I feel up to it, then I'll listen to offers. But I I, I still think Taylor Lewan would be the best opportunity um, for left tackle in the off season. Uh, Alex said. I think Taylor would play take a restructured deal if they offered it. Didn't he say that on bus? And yes, he did. Um, first class media say Jags Thanks. going to win. 
I'm sorry, but I think Jacksonville's going to win. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game. I, it, I think I think it's going to be different from what they saw. Again, it's going to be different from what they saw in the, the first time they met in Nashville. I think in Jacksonville, you're going to see a lot of Danico Autry. You're going to see a lot of pressure on Trevor Lawrence. As long as you can get pressure on Trevor Lawrence, that's when it can kind of fall apart. Um, the secondary will potentially have Christian Fulton starting corner for the Tennessee Titans, which having that in your back pocket is a good thing for this team, especially missing him in the first first time they played. Um, they'll have a lot more options, especially on offense, and a guy that can distribute the ball more than Malik Willis can. I think I think that's the biggest thing too. Having a guy in Josh Dobbs being able to progress, go through his progressions, and actually pick a receiver that's open, and actually play behind this makeshift line that we've seen from the Tennessee Titans over the past four weeks, five weeks since they started losing since the Packers game. They've had a makeshift line there, and, and Dennis Daly has not gotten any better, unfortunately, where he's just been a turnstile on the field for anybody lining up over him to get to the quarterback. So I, I think that it's going to be a tougher game than Jacksonville thinks it's going to be. I, I've heard, you know, I'm in all the AFC South um, trash talk Facebook groups on Facebook and everything. I, I, I hear it every day. I don't say anything because, you know, I keep it close to the best. Keep it close to the best. I'm not going to go out there and start trash talking, saying, hey, the Titans are going to whoop this and do this and do that. I'm not going to say that. But at the end of the day, when when stats are stats and facts are facts, if they win, what are the Jacksonville Jaguars going to say? Are they going to go back into their hole they've been in for the past five years since Blake Bortles took them to the AFC Championship game? Blake Bortles didn't take them to the AFC Championship. That was their defense. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's, it's not really... Uh, there's not really much more <laughs> that they could have done uh, with Blake Bortles, but that team's in disarray as well. It can be. Um, Trevor Lawrence, I've said it before on the show, Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback. Did I like him coming out of Clemson? No. I didn't think he was that good of a quarterback. I think Doug Peterson's done a very good job there in Jacksonville, and they do have a, a solid team. I'm not saying it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be a blowout on either side, Titans or Jags. I think it's going to be a very, very close game. Um, High scoring, potentially. I don't think it's going to be too high scoring because Titans haven't scored more than 24 points. Um, except for once this season. They, I, they think, I think they scored 27 against the Packers. Uh, that's the only time they've scored more than 24 points this year. So I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but first class also says Jags offense is explosive. I think the Jags are the better team. Uh, yes, they are. I think the Titans are playing a lot of second, third, fourth round, and third, th- second, third, and fourth string players currently on offense and defense, especially the offensive line and in the secondary. I think th- those are those are big places. But watching the Titans' defense last week against Dallas Cowboys, who came into that game fully healthy, playing all of their players except for uh, uh, running back. Um, the back of running back to Ezekiel oh, Elliott. Tony, Tony Pollard. Yeah, Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard did not play in that game because he he has been injured. He's been kind of nursing a little injury, so they decided to sit him out of that game. But they still had Zeke Elliott. They still had C.D. Lamb. They still had Michael Gallup. They still had T.Y. Hilton. Um, Prescott. Even though they lost that, even though the Titans lost that game, the score did not indicate how close that game was the first three and a half quarters. It really didn't. It was a lot closer than people thought it was. 
if you just saw the score at the very end of the night. So, again, it'll be a great game. I think that the Titans will put up more of a fight than they did in the first the first time they played up against them. Um, and having a competent quarterback back there instead of Malik, unfortunately Malik is not ready to be an NFL quarterback. I think Josh Dobbs is ready to be an NFL quarterback and, and fill in if he needs to. And I think in this scenario, he can step up to the plate and help the Titans be successful. Yeah. I as think long also, as you can get Traylon Burks and Chica Conquo going. I think those two players especially are going to be good. Derrick Henry, if he has over 30 carries in this game, I think the Titans win. I mean, yeah, because you're going to have probably more time with TLP. But I could definitely see, especially if you have more TLP, I could definitely see the Jaguars just swinging and just going down and just uh, throwing it off to Christian Kirk, throwing it to their very sort of unreliable, un unnoticeably speedy wide receivers, especially when you think of like Christian Kirk, how many years he's been in the league. He's still one of the faster wide receivers. Like, uh, like how first class says once the Jags stop the run game, I think if they do stop the run game though, they do have to worry about the pass because the Titans do have some fairly good wide receivers. It, it's going to be Traylon, a... the Jags didn't see Traylon Burks the first time. Oh, and Traylon Burks. They didn't I think see is... Robert. They didn't see the wide receiving core the way it's going to be on Sunday or on Saturday night. It's a Saturday night game. They flexed yeah. it to Saturday night with um, J- uh, Tony Romo and uh, Jim Nance are going to be calling the game on ESPN. But in that scenario, you're going to see Traylon Burks. You're going to see Robert Woods. You're going to see Nick Westbrook-Akine. You're going to see Chris Conley. Um, Is that I mean, these, tight end you guys have? Chiga Conquo. We I have he... Jeff Swaim and Austin Hooper. Jeff Swaim, hopefully, will see more sideline time than playing time <laughs> um because i think chica conquo and austin yeah. cooper will be needed much more but chica conquo is that explosive player um austin hooper is that possession player so you'll probably see him more on third down plays but chica conquo if you get him started and he heats up kind of like what evan ingram did in the first game i'm not sure if first class saw that game but evan ingram played very well against the titans in the first game yeah. And that, 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 that was the main difference in that game was Evan Ingram and the way that he played, um, had a career day against the Titans and more power to him. Again, I think it was a, I think they played very well in the first game, but I think they're going to see a completely different Titans team than they did just a few weeks ago. I think also Jacob Conqua, is that what, that's what his name is? Jacob Conqua. Mm-hmm. Didn't he have his breakout game like after the Jacksonville game too, or was it like the one right before it? Um, I know he he went off for like almost like a hundred yards, right? As a tight end, one of these games, he did. Um, I can look up those stats in just a moment to see where that was. Okay, but yeah, I think I genuinely think it's going to be a close game. I think if I think I think if the Jags get the ball first and they get the, they get a score, I think it's just going to be. I think your OC doesn't understand how you can maintain a clock management and still come back from a from a point deficit. So I think if Jacksonville comes out first, they will it'll be a very try to come back from a from a deficit team. And I don't like how some players especially when they don't score first. I don't like how some OCs decide like, let's just throw away our whole game plan of running our best player. Yeah. Another big thing, too, I know First Class was saying that once the Jaguars stopped the run with Derrick Henry, I think yeah, you do think... know, you do know just a few weeks ago, December 11th was the game with the Jacksonville Jaguars, that Derrick Henry still had 121 rushing yards on 17 attempts. You do know that, right? 
I think um, I I don't think it's going to be very easy, as I'm saying, um, for the Jacksonville Jaguars to stop Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's career numbers against Jacksonville Jaguars since 2016: 230 carries, 1,264 yards, and 16 touchdowns in 12 games against the Jaguars in his career, including that 99-yard touchdown that Derrick Henry had just what two years ago, I think it was. Yeah. So, again, Derrick Henry is going to run in this game. Oh, yeah. You didn't stop him in the first game, but you still won. So that's a good thing. And defense is forcing turnovers, which the Titans just forced at least two turnovers, if not three, against Dallas Cowboys this past weekend. You know what I did? I didn't realize Ty Summers was on Jacksonville. Who? Ty Summers. Seventh-round pick for the Green Bay Packers. Played with Green Bay from 2019 to this past year. Was mainly a... Uh, mainly a special teams guy, and we bent, we got rid of him once Rich Versace came in. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't know that. But yeah, um, defending Evan Ingram is going to be a key point Tough. for the Titans, especially what they did um, against the Titans before. So I'm, I'm sure that's going to be in the game plan to try to shut him down. Um, but the run game too, Travis, Travis Etienne was shut down. I think he had less than 50 32 yards. yards. Yep. 32 yards in the first game against the Titans. So eliminating that um, from the Jaguars would be huge once again if they were able to do that in Jacksonville. And they've had a pretty good success rate of beating the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville in recent memory as well. So um, again, tough game. I think the Titans are going to have a dogfight on their hands. They're both, it's a playoff team. It's a playoff game, essentially. We're watching a playoff game. On Saturday night, that's the reason why I got flexed to the, the primetime spot. First class, I hope you do join us next week when we talk about this game and uh, discuss what happens because I think it's going to be really interesting to see um, the the tug of war that happens between these two teams because they're both fighting for that berth. Uh, you know, uh, Doug Peterson and Mike Vrabel, both of their, their tenures, uh, they, they've been known to fight and claw um, to get to their goal, and I, their goal right now is to make a playoff spot. And especially with Doug Peterson too, being a first-year coach for the Jackson, well, not first-year coach, but first year with the Jaguars. With the Jacksonville Jaguars, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that's that's a great benchmark for that team. And I know I had I had my podcast, which I'm going to try to upload either Wednesday or Thursday, which I was talking about like what is like I had like a you did it award, like congrats, you finally did it. This is the team that did it. And I had the Jacksonville Jaguars because they finally got a competent head coach. I think a generational quarterback since. Um, I had this brain fart as well. Their first quarterback that they had uh, through the Hail Mary. I can't remember his name to save my life. Not Blaine Gabbert. Not David Garrard, was it? David Garrard. It was David Garrard. Yeah. Which I think David Garrard is probably their best quarterback in their history, I think, other than maybe Blake Bortles, which even Blake Bortles is mediocre, I would say. First class might have a better better. Um, yeah, if you, better if you have a better quarterback, that, let me know. But he also but, said that he'll be down to join next week, so we will yeah, definitely talk to him next week. Yeah, and I think... I think as well, I think this Jaguars team is definitely starting to turn that corner of being a, we're not just a lockdown defense team anymore. We actually have a full rounded roster and sort of interesting to see where they go next next year, especially if they don't make the playoffs, what moves they're going to do. Because they do have, if they don't make it, they're probably going to have probably top 15 draft pick. And there's some pretty good talent in this draft with some special, some defense. So 
Yeah, well, especially Jacksonville Jaguars, they they are trending upwards, and and oh. you see the Texans and the Colts have been trending down. However, in this draft coming up, they probably will get quarterbacks. So I think Houston will have number one draft pick potentially um, if they are able to lose this weekend. But if they do lose, um, they have a really good consolation prize in Bryce Young potentially as the number one overall pick this year in the, in the 20, 2023 draft. You also have C.J. Stroud out there, which people have been projecting the Colts could take him as well as their quarterback. So having these generational quarterbacks, or these very, maybe not all of them are generational, but all of them are very good quarterbacks. Um, all of them are I would very definitely high say above ceiling. average. Yes, very high ceiling, above average quarterbacks um, being in the same division, especially against ten- my Tennessee Titans. Um that's gonna be tough to watch. <laughs> if yeah. They don't do things. They don't do things about it in the off season. It'll be interesting to see what the GM search does. What happens there? What happens with offensive coordinator? Hopefully, Todd Downing is gone and out of here um, very soon this off season. I know that they have been talking. Paul Kaharski, paulkaharski.com. Go check out his content if you uh, want to see more about the Titans because he has some great content over there on his website. Hopefully, we'll get on him on the show at some point too. Um, during the offseason, but he wrote an article today talking about how this offense is almost as bad or as bad as the Ken Wisenhunt years, the Ken Wisenhunt offense here in Tennessee, which was abysmal. Those were Jake Locker. Jake Locker was the quarterback. Yep. Zach Mettenberger was here as well. Big LSU star, Jack, uh, Zach Mettenberger. Um, or Jesus. Yes, Clipboard Jesus was here too. I, there were a lot of quarterbacks um, that were here when Jake Locker was here, especially with his injuries and such that he had. But yeah. I thought Jake Locker was a really good quarterback. But um, yeah, he was he was like a, a Josh Allen type. He could have been a Josh Allen type had he been he in the right good. system. But he wasn't in the right system. I just, um, the only thing I remember is the when Troy Palomalo jumped over the line to tackle Jake Locker. Right he was definitely line. offsides. He was definitely yeah. offsides. Definitely offsides. I, I I keep telling. I mean, I always think about that play, and he was definitely over the line before the. Well, see, I started, don't. But. I don't think a lot of people care because it was Troy Palomalu. So uh, of course, of course, they just love his hair. Yeah, exactly. That's the only thing about him. Um, but yeah, Paul Karsk had a really good article. So if you haven't, if you haven't um, gone over there to check it out, go to his website. I think he has a five ninety nine fee for membership, but it's it's definitely worth your while if you are into Titans news. Um. But yeah, I, I think that uh, it's definitely going to be interesting the next few years in the AFC South. I think that you will see a shift in the coverage of the AFC South and also just the performance of the AFC South in general. I think that all four teams will be very good um, over the next five to ten years, and uh, especially if they have those quarterbacks. I think it's going to be really fascinating to watch the the chess game occur in this division moving forward. Yeah, and even though the Titans run the South for the past two years straight, just saying, could potentially be three. That's why I'm wearing the hat. It's a lucky hat. So even though I wore this hat at the Bengals game last year in the playoffs, so you should burn it. You know, I'll give it one more chance. I'll give it one more chance. I, I usually cycle through. So like, t- typically when I wear jerseys to games, I have a, a an AJ Brown jersey that I purchased this year. I also have a Steve McNair or last year and a Steve McNair jersey as well. So I kind of cycle through those jerseys. So if I'm wearing a jersey and they're on a win streak, I keep that jersey every time I go. But if they lose a game, I switch jerseys. Um, That's like me because I used to, I was wearing the David Bakhtiari jersey earlier this year. We couldn't get a win as soon as I throw the 
good old fashioned Nick Collins jersey on, we start winning. Yep. Yep. So, so I was wearing the the so Na- no, I believe it was the Nash collection. The Nash collection sure uh, hat that said Nash on it, the light blue, the baby blue uh, font. So I had that on um, the last time they played against the Cowboys. So I switched to this hat. So hopefully this hat will give us some good luck heading into this game. But um, best of luck to you, first class. It'll be a great game to watch. I think it, honestly it is. And out of both of them, because like Kansas City versus Raiders is the first game. That's tough. I mean, I think but, the Chiefs are gonna. Even though, even though this past weekend, quarterback play wasn't that bad for the Raiders, they still lost. But wasn't that bad from Jared Stidham? And again, it it doesn't. It, we didn't talk about that either with the switch from Derek Carr to. Oh. Um, Derek Carr didn't deserve to be benched. Oh. It wasn't his fault. I still think he should be the starting quarterback there. However. The reason why he made the switch is because Mike McDaniels has, or I'm sorry, Josh McDaniels has a job to do. Josh McDaniels wants to keep his job. And so the only way he can keep his job is bringing in a guy that he's had familiar success with, especially in the Patriots organization. Jarrett Sinem was there before. So I think that's the reason why he switched. And I mean, he played well, Jarrett, Jarrett played well in that game, but I still think that, Derek Carr was not the issue there in, in yeah. Vegas. And I think we will see him in another jersey. Hopefully, hopefully what happens, the Colts either draft a quarterback or they draft they draft a quarterback and start that quarterback automatically. Or they draft a quarterback and they sign Derek Carr as the placeholder. Because obviously we know what happens when they try to get these, you know, these quarterbacks that are quote-unquote washed up. I don't think Derek Carr's washed up, but I don't think he's going to play that well against um, any competition playing the the Indianapolis Colts. Um, and we just see the Colts going on the tubes again next year. I wouldn't be surprised if, because I definitely think Derek Carr's out of that team. I don't think he wants to be in it anymore, with especially with the amount of stuff that has happened within the past few years yep. in that organization as a whole. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's... Um, if Derek Carr goes to like Seattle, I think I honestly think that West Coast is going to be the best bet with Seattle, Seattle, Minnesota, or even the 49ers. I think after watching, I think after watching Trey Lance struggle their first few games, which obviously it's the first two games that he had his ankle, nobody really knows because he just had his second ankle surgery this past, I think this past weekend. Take the so, screws out. Yeah. He, he said that the screws were, were, Removed. scratching him or something it was they were bothering him so they decided to take okay. out the screws so yeah. yeah so we we still don't know how he's going to perform though i think having their car there especially after probably you're probably going to keep brock purdy especially how he's been playing like if he wins a playoff game i think you i think you sign him i think you keep him no matter what i think a lot well, the of biggest thing is with him his contract is dirt cheap league minimum like yeah. it's it's cheap because he was mr irrelevant in the draft in the 2022 draft so you have a guy on a very, very, very cheap contract, um, in in Brock Purdy. But you all I mean you still also have Trey Lance. I mean, he, he could still be your starting quarterback next year. I don't, I don't see. It's very, it's gonna be a very interesting decision by Kyle Shanahan in the offseason to oh, say. Yeah, I mean, I think Jimmy G is gone. Oh yeah. At this point, I think that you have a co- quarterback competition between Trey Lance and Brock Purdy. Was that competition closer than we thought in the offseason? Did we hear about Brock Purdy in the offseason? I didn't. No. 
So I, I have a feeling that there might be more eyes on Brock Purdy to potentially take over that position in the offseason this year. Will he be able to overcome Trey Lance? I think that I think that Kyle has an infatuation with the play style of Trey, Trey Lance. I still think he thinks Trey Lance is the guy. I still I, think he does. I think it's more of who's there. The GM is the former player, right? John yeah. Lynch. John yes. Lynch. John Lynch. I think I think John Lynch likes Trey Lance because he reminds him of Elway. And Mike and Kyle Shanahan likes Brock Purdy slash Jimmy Garoppolo type because it reminds him of Brady. It reminds him he's perfect in that system. I don't think I think if Trey Lynch struggles in that system, I think you immediately go to Brock Purdy because that Brock that that system is proving to be you can just throw a rock back there and they'll and they'll win games. Like it's going to be rough. I think there's this offseason is going to be very interesting, especially with the even though there's not a lot of quarterbacks in the free agency market i think it's going to be a lot of quarterback movement that we can already see sort of happening um going back to the raiders though i think jared stidham is going to be their starting quarterback next year and i would not be surprised if they don't sign anybody else yeah i think the right i think that's probably gonna be the case, especially if josh mcdaniels is still there oh yeah if which not, they can't then that'd be interesting i mean they can't get rid of him because they don't have money I think yeah, that's true. the that's the reason why they can't fire him is because they they're still paying uh John Gruden cuz with his what was it 10 year oh, contract that's right, with his buyout yeah so they're still paying for him plus Josh McDaniels so they won't be able to pay another guy so that's why they're keeping him for 3 years rough well at least the Denver Broncos had enough flexibility to get rid of their coaching problem and yeah they still have Russell Wilson I mean that kind of sucks um but I, th- I still think Russell Wilson will be fine we didn't talk about that either. I think Russell Wilson will be fine in Denver. I think he just needs a better coach than Nathaniel Hackett. Bless you. Um, let's talk about the NFC real quick, too. Uh, Green Bay Packers winning in. I think we talked about this already. Lions win and Seattle loss. Um, Lions get in. Or if Seattle wins and Green Bay loss uh, has a loss, Seattle gets in. Um, AFC side, we already talked about the Jags and the Titans. If Jags win or tie, they're in. The Titans win straight out. They get in. The Jaguars still have hope of getting a seventh seed if some things fall in their favor. They lose against the Titans, and there are losses by the Dolphins, Pats, and Steelers, which Steelers at home, it's going to be tough for them to lose. Yeah, uh, I think out of all of them, that's the one that you're most worried about if you're a Jaguars yeah. fan. Is that Because I think, I think the Jets could beat the Dolphins, especially with, I don't know who their quarterback is going to be. I don't know if it's Tua. I don't know if it's Skylar Thompson. Because apparently, I, I don't think, think it's Teddy, Tua. I don't think it's I, Tua. I think they yeah, already so it's said gonna be, it's going to be between Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson. Thompson, which I think Teddy Bridgewater already broke his finger last week. Yep. So it's going to be Skylar, which I, I don't trust him at all. No. And then you have the Patriots who are facing the Buffalo, which even with this whole thing that happened for DeMar, I think Bills are still going to be the better team. Yeah, it, it all depends so on how it all depends on how they're feeling mentally. But yeah, it, it's gonna be tough, especially losing Demar and then also not having Von Miller this season either. Yeah, I mean so. I, that those are two big pieces that you had in the off season. That was the reason why your defense was so good. Your your defense was was considered to be a very very good defense to get you to the playoffs and get you over that hurdle of losing in the first or second round. Um, but yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be very interesting to watch. Um, what happens with their personnel decisions moving forward? Um, Dolphins win and the Patriots loss gets them into the seventh seed, which 
What a fall from grace for the Miami Dolphins. Just unfortunate. Yeah. You, you, you potentially, I mean, you lost potentially your starting quarterback for the season, especially with three concussions on the year, at least two documented. But let's be honest, it looks like it's more like three. You have that. You, your playmakers are just not able to make the plays when they're supposed to. Um, ah, that's just, it's tough. Mike McDaniel not really having the best play calling at times, making some poor decisions as a first year start, a uh, first year coach. Yeah. It's not good. No, not good for them. Um, Patriots just need to if win. they win at Bills, or the Dolphins lose, and the Steelers lose, and the Jags win, then they get the seventh seed. Yeah, so it's basically winner in, or you pray. Yeah. For Patriots, so. Which, yeah. of course, the Patriots, if they if they win. It's it's the same thing as Mike Tomlin, which, with the Patriots, is like they're always in the playoffs. They're always in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, the Steelers, I mean, they're going to be a second year in a row where they're crossing their fingers at the last moment to see if they get a playoff berth. Last year, yeah. same thing. They were watching it in Heinz Field last year. And that's when they found out that the Chargers and Raiders game turned out to be the way it was, and, and they they moved on. Yeah, which I still think is dumb. They should have they should have went for a tie. They should have went for a tie. But it was just, it was that timeout. It was that timeout by the Chargers that the Raiders said, you know what? Let's just go out and win this game. Yeah. Tough. Um, so there's the playoff picture there. We can talk about these four games real quick. Your winner for these games. Titans at Jags. You're going with Jaguars. I'm going with Titans in that scenario, obviously. AFC South champions, hopefully three oh, times in a row. Also, I looked it up. Titans have only scored one game over 27, which is 27 on the dot against us. They have scored the 24 Packers. twice. Against the Packers. Yep. Um, more points need to be scored this week. It's it's going to be 27-30, I think. It's going to be close. It's going to be close. Um, I, yeah, you know what? That I, I, That's my bold prediction. My bold prediction this week is that the Titans are going to either tie or exceed the points they scored, their high they scored this year. If they tie, they can't go into the playoffs, though. But no, I'm saying, like, t- tie 27 oh, points. Oh, tie 27 points. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like, tie their, their, their scoring high this season, which will be 27 points. Um, also, first class chimed in just a little bit ago, too. I didn't see this. Tyson Campbell will be solid against Burks. Well, we'll see. if Burks has been doing pretty well trying to get open. He's He's been getting open this season on, on defenders. So, it's better than 2-2 Atwell. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, especially last week against the Cowboys. I mean, again, they had their starters out there playing, and Burks was getting pretty open. Um, Giants and Eagles. There, I mean, there are implications here, potentially, that the Eagles could lose the number one seed if they lose in this game. Yeah. But um, what do you think about the Eagles and Giants? It's in it, Philadelphia. It all depends on who's playing, genuinely. Gardner Minshew is one of those quarterbacks where if he's hot, he's hot. If he's not, he's not. We saw that last week against New Orleans. Um, like it, I genuinely think if Jalen Hurts plays, I think you're doing the the guy a disservice. I think Gardner Minshew should be the starter no matter what. Um, my earphone plugged out, so I can actually make sure I hear myself. <laughs> um, but. I think the Giants win this, and I think if the Giants 
do, then they just they just need a loss from a few people. But I genuinely think the Giants could win this if Jalen Hurts decides not to play, which if I'm Nick Sirianni, I do not want Jalen Hurts to play. I would much rather just go into the thing as a two or a three seed. Or no, not a two or a three seed, as a as a four as a five seed almost and rather than be the one seed, especially if it's putting your quarterback at risk. That's the biggest thing. I mean, like we saw with Dolphins, putting Tua at risk as quickly as they did, especially after the first concussion. Um, that's, yeah, I, I definitely think that uh, it would be best best for the player and best for the team itself if Jalen had one more week at least to, to rest. You have the potential still to get the number one seed. If you get the number one seed, you have one more extra week, which I get that, but why yeah. risk it with Jalen Hurts? At this point, yep. let Gardner play. See what you can do. This time, run the ball more. That's the biggest thing with that with the game this past weekend. They had Miles Sanders, which I did have a bet for Miles Sanders to go over 50 yards. But still, you had Miles Sanders on the sideline. And you were running Bart, Bart Scott more. Boston Scott. Boston Scott, whatever. What, what are you doing? What are you doing? You put Miles Sanders out there. Give him the ball. He was actually getting... Seven eight yards a carry this weekend. You give him the ball. You you have more of a mix of run and pass. Nick Sirianni kind of showing his rookie head coach vibe there. That it just poor decision making on his part. Not having a good scheme drawn up, especially having a guy like Miles Sanders who was getting you yards on the ground. That's what you need. You need yeah. to have a mixture of the run and the pass. And Gardner will have better wide receivers, better wide open wide receivers to throw to if you establish the run first. Um, yeah. But I still think the Giants are going to win. Yeah. And the Eagles... Lion... The, oh, sorry. I just want to talk about the Eagles. One seed. So Eagles conclude one seed with a Cowboys loss or a 49ers loss, which the Cowboys face the Commanders and the 49ers face the Cardinals. Both those are wins. Both those are wins, but I could definitely see the Commanders just being like, eh, we don't have anything to play for. Let's just go out there and have fun. And then they win somehow because... I think Chase Young is back this week against the Cowboys, which is going to be very interesting because he's probably going to face Tyler Smith, which is their rookie left tackle, I think he is right mm, now. He's a rookie okay. left tackle, right tackle. I could see him just being out there and just being a menace against Dak Prescott, especially with how faltery Dak Prescott has looked as of recently, and especially yep. if Tony Pollard is out again. Like... That's going to be the rough seed. And then obviously, if 49ers just clinch with a win and the Eagles lost. Basically, if Eagles lost and the, one of these two teams win, then they're basically in the one seed. If both Cowboys Other than and the Niners, Cowboys. If, if Cowboys and Niners both win, who gets number one seed? Niners. Niners, Niners. Niners will get the one seed. So the, so the Cowboys need to lose the Eagles to loss and the 49ers to lose or tie. Okay. So if the fighter if the 49ers lose or tie and the and the Eagles lost and the Cowboys are one seed, if Eagles lose and 49ers win, 49ers are two seed. If Eagles wins, they're immediately one seed. Or if any of the other teams lose, interesting. Hmm. Um, Lions and Packers. Yeah, <laughs> I know your answer. <laughs> well, hey, this is the first Lions I... Sunday Night Football since like 2019. Since Matt Patricia faced the Gulf, since the Matt Patricia led Lions faced up against the New England Patriots, so oh yeah, I remember they're, they're going to have some fight in it. They're going to have some fight in it, and I I genuinely yeah. think uh, Jamal Williams is going to have 
he's been having a breakout year this year, and I I love it for him. I think everybody, every Packer fan is happy for him, especially since what he's done. He's six yards away from crossing a thousand yards, especially as a backup running back. It's insane. Number awesome. one for number one for rushing touchdowns. I think it's going to be our run defense hasn't been that good. Honestly, it's not been good. Obviously, we faced the Vikings last week, and Devin Cook couldn't get going, but they were also down 14-3, so mm, true. can't really do much. Um, I think... Strike quick. Strike quick, which we can now. We genuinely can now with Keyshawn Nixon returning. We are finally having those returns where it's like, oh, we're at the 50. Oh, we're at the opposing 40. We're farther away rather than at the 25, at the 10, at the 5, like... And also not Christian, Christian Watson actually being healthy too, which we're hoping yeah. that he's healthier this week as well. I mean, just having him as a decoy too was really good last week. Just that helps because we had Bobby Tunyon got his first touchdown. I think it was, I don't know if it was his first touchdown, but he has like very much more. I think he's like still in the single digits, but so. yeah, it helps. Um, I think Packers are going to win. It's at Green Bay. I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to to squeak it out. And you're going to see Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. Which... If we see that, I'm going to be very sad if we see that and we didn't get to see a Brady-Rodgers Super Bowl when Brady was in uh, New England. Yeah. We could have seen it in 2016. Could have seen it. Could have. Could have. I mean, you could see it in the NFC Championship game, potentially. Not the same, though. I want to see. It. I wanted to see it in the Super Bowl, twelve v twelve. That would be interesting, though. If the if that would probably be a first, if they were able to get in as the seventh seed. Well, and also it's it's the second year that the seventh seed is a thing. So the Bucks are the four seed. So. Bucks are the four seed. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I still I still think that the Buccaneers could make it to the championship game because they'll farly face. <sighs> Let me look this up really fast because I think so. Let's see this. So the Buccaneers are the four seed. They'll probably face the Cowboys or Cowboys or Philadelphia, which I genuinely think if they face the Cowboys, I think they win. I think mm. Philadelphia, I think it's going to be a lot more difficult. Yeah. I don't think they want to face Philly. Um, that'll be tough. That'll be tough. I think if I don't think Minnesota is going to win their first game, I think they're going to lose to the Giants. So it'll that'll probably be. Interesting. be if we beat the 49ers, it'll be us versus Philadelphia and then Buccaneers versus the Giants. I think the Buccaneers win that. I think we could beat the Eagles, honestly. And then that's sort of like the best case scenario for it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, next week, we'll talk about the playoffs as well, more about the playoffs, and we'll have the seating at that point. So we'll talk about matchups. We'll talk about uh, previews for all those games. So feel free to come in with all your questions next week because we will be answering all of those for you. Um, last but not least, Ravens at Bengals. Do Ravens even have a shot in this game? I feel bad saying no, but no. Like, I mean, I, I wouldn't feel bad. Well, uh, at this point, do you think they care it, where their seating is? They're already in a playoff spot. Do you think they care where their seating is as long as they can get Lamar Jackson back in the playoffs? I don't think they get Lamar Jackson back in the playoffs, though. I genuinely don't think Lamar Jackson comes back and he's plays been out, for this what, team. Three weeks now, two weeks. It seems like he's been out half the season. He's been out quite a bit. Um, quite a bit, but it, it genuinely feels like that. I think he took his last snaps in a in a Baltimore Ravens jersey. Interesting. 
I'm I'm on that I'm on that Jets train. He's going to the New York Jets because he's just a better Zach Wilson. I mean, I I still think that the Ravens have that franchise tag. I've talked about it on this show, saying that they should consider his injuries. They should consider all of that before they offer him anything, offer him a franchise tag or a new contract or whatever. Um, I don't think Lamar's contract expectations will be met. No. They will not be met in Baltimore. But I could see Baltimore extending it one more year, paying him north of $40 million next season to see what they can do with him for one more year. And then after that, say, then we'll talk. But I, it wouldn't surprise me if he moved on to somewhere else. If they the Ravens decided to say, hey, look, have you seen your last two seasons? You can't stay healthy. Sorry, we're moving on to someone else. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I think watching Tyler Huntley, we, we've kind of, it's kind of shown us that he's not really the answer either. So they're going to have some real questions at quarterback in Baltimore if they, if they lose Lamar Jackson in the offseason and they just have Tyler Huntley there. I don't think he's going to be the starting quarterback there either. Um, do they go back to a quarterback like Joe Flacco? Would they go back to a quarterback like Derek Carr, for instance? A guy like Derek Carr, who's more of a game manager than a guy that's a, a a playmaker like Lamar Jackson is. You have the weapons there in, in Baltimore to get the ball to. Um, that's kind of the question marks that I would have if I were a Baltimore Ravens fan. That I, It's just going to be after this season, there's no guarantees. This is the one thing i got to say, though. is I'm, I just pulled their spot track for their whole roster. Next season, as with Lamar Jackson, Marcus Peters and Kyle Fuller are on our UFAs next season. I think if I'm the if I'm the if I'm the Ravens, I would in say Marcus Peters and Kyle Fuller. You can't really come to a conclusion with either of them, but one of them is wanting, willing to take a franchise tag. I would still much rather franchise tag one of those two guys than Lamar Jackson. And you can keep Tyler Huntley. You can probably get somebody in the draft. Somebody in free agency obviously the free agent pool isn't going to be that good but who knows yeah tom brady in baltimore oh that would be disgusting that would be disgusting <laughs> that would be really bad that would be really as almost as disgusting as seeing steve mcnair in a ravens jersey yeah. when he played for them towards I the think, end of his career i think out of everybody that's in the league right now that i could see going to baltimore yeah, Baker Mayfield, Derek Carr. You'll have Jimmy G on the market as well, most likely. Tom Brady. Um, I, I could see them genuinely making a sign-and-trade, like sort of like NBA, where they trade for uh, Zach Wilson and just try to do a flip for quarterbacks. Like, I think out of everybody in the league, that he fits their system probably the best. Like, if you look at their system, it's much more based on, like, RPOs and everything like that. I think if you could get... Like you need a sort of mobile quarterback for it. And I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is really going to be the same thing. I think if you could get Jimmy Garoppolo, that would be good. Bigger Mayfield, I could see doing it just because it's a spot. You get to face the Browns twice a week or twice a year. That would be pretty. That would be pretty interesting, especially the, from the storyline. Yep. Goes to goes to Baltimore, does everything like that. But 
Yeah, it's, it's going it look it's looking grim in Baltimore, especially after having that MVP season from Lamar back in what was that 2019-2018? Yeah, his rookie season. Yeah, or like so, close to his rookie season anyway. I think it was, it was second year. So second. I think he got drafted in 2017, so Interesting. Um but yeah, there goes the show this week, guys. Um, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to us on iTunes, on Spotify, on uh, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there, Out of Bounds, Dylan James. You can also follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, and subscribe to us on YouTube. I know our goal was a lofty one with 500 subscribers, but we hope we can hit that um, in the first month or two of the new year of 2023. So feel free to go over there, subscribe to our channel on YouTube. We would greatly appreciate it. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the show. My name's Dylan, Dylan James, that is, and that's Tyler Sorensen beside me. As always, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week.